Steve asked me if I wanted the table that he's been using because this looks so official and I said it's a bit high for me, the table. I've, my notes will be up to my chin, so I've gone with this really official looking lectern. Um, there it is. So inspired by Alex Bateman last week. Is Alex here? Yeah. Have you outstayed your welcome? <laughs> Let's all have a good laugh. It was, I had a giggle right last week because if you weren't here, Alex um, got up to welcome us all and um, he said, welcome if you're new and visiting here, welcome if you haven't been here for very long and welcome if you feel like you've outstayed your welcome. And I had a little giggle and I looked at my 14-year-old who was five weeks old when New Vine Lake started and said to him, you're in trouble, buddy. Why? So you've been here your whole life. If anyone's outstayed their welcome, it's you. <laughs> but I couldn't get the thought out of my head. You know, have we outstayed our welcome? Do we feel like we've outstayed our welcome here at Lakes? Some of us may have actually outstayed our welcome. I know it's a bit of a funny thing to say, but hey, if you're a church planner and you're sitting in the pew and God's tugged at your heart, maybe you've outstayed your welcome. Yeah, come on. You know, maybe God is saying, Lakes is not where you're supposed to be anymore. Um, you're supposed to be planning a church of your own and having a team to lead um, rather than sitting in the seat. So maybe we do have some people who are feeling a little bit itchy and like they've outstayed their welcome. That's God. But that's not what I'm here to speak about today. <laughs> I would like you to tell me what does it mean to outstay your welcome? I want some audience participation here. Has anybody ever, does anybody have their own home? Okay, put your hand up. We have our home. Has anybody ever had someone outstay their welcome in their home? Okay, if you own your own home, <laughs> I'm not here to sort out family issues this morning, okay? Take it home, maybe speak about it there. If you own your own home and you're living in your own home and you are paying the mortgage and all the bills are getting paid, is it possible to outstay your welcome? Can I outstay my welcome in my in my home that I own? Yes or no? No. Okay. So sometimes our children can outstay their welcome, right? <laughs> <laughs> I said to my kids, my older ones when they're growing up, and the beautiful Gabrielle here, who's who I'm going to not say anything bad about because she's in control of my scriptures this morning and she moved out of home by the time she was 25 we used to always say to our kids 25 we're like actually it's a sorry you're, you're I, very generous well I, I did some research on it right because apparently at 25 um, if your children, well, their brains are supposed to be developed properly by them. But if your child left school and went into work, then by 25, they really should have been able to um, develop their own career, have some savings, do that kind of stuff. If, it's, if they haven't, guess what? Not your problem. Now, if they've gone to uni and got a degree, but they should be finished by the time they're 25... And if they haven't, guess what? Not your problem. 
And when and look, some parents love their kids to be at home and that is okay. But my point is children can outstay their welcome. It's not actually their home. They're supposed to go do something else, right? And when, um, when we don't release our kids to do that because we want to hold on to them even more than them wanting to be at home, then sometimes we can be doing them a disservice by making them feel so emotionally attached to us that they fail to thrive and fly. So children can outstay their welcome in their family's home. I, however, have had a parent outstay their welcome in my home, and that is a really tricky thing. So what, what is outstaying your welcome? What does that look like, guys? What does it look like? Who's ever had someone outstay their welcome? I'd like to know what it looks like. Eating your food out of your fridge. They eat your food out of your fridge. They steal your wine. Steal your wine? <laughs> <laughs> what else might they do? I hope my kids aren't stealing. Leave, leave oh no, it. this one can steal your wine. <laughs> <laughs> they leave their belongings all over your. Yeah, they they make stuff. a mess and leave their stuff around. They don't clean up after. Eat your food, drink your wine, and talk about how good it would be to be somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Eat your food, drink your wine, but talk about how great it would be if they didn't have to be in your home. So the theme I am hearing is that people outstay their welcome when they're somewhere they don't actually belong, when they're taking advantage and using things that don't belong to them and using that space as if it does belong to them when it doesn't. So they lose that gratitude, right, of I'm so grateful that you've let me be here and I will move along as soon as I can. Okay. So what we've been able to establish is things, people and things that outstay their welcome are things that don't belong there anymore. And we can always find ourselves, or not we can't always, we often find ourselves in places in our faith where we don't belong anymore. God is constantly taking us on a journey and teaching us new things and we're constantly being transformed into the image of Christ but sometimes we get stuck and we don't belong there anymore we need to learn to push through in those moments and to follow Christ on the journey that he has us in has anybody ever felt stuck in their faith walk? I know that I have you don't belong there anymore you belong here, or if you're a church planner, maybe you don't. But you don't belong where God has you right now. He wants so much more for you. And sometimes there's things in your life that don't belong there anymore. So what I want to talk to you today about is moving on from the place where you don't belong anymore or moving something on from your life right. when it doesn't belong there anymore. So, Alex, thank you. <laughs> I want to tell you a little story about myself. There's, there's just a couple... Well, I've probably shared this story with some mums before and there are a few people that were in my life when this was happening 
um, and will recognise this story. But for some of you, well, for a lot of you, you won't. And for those of you that know the story, bear with me. But this was a time in my life where I felt like I had outstayed my welcome somewhere. Sorry. <laughs> it was at Liz's place. I, I ate the food in her fridge and drank the wine. I did a big burp and left. No. <laughs> Um, happened about 10 it'd be coming up for 10 years ago now and I was the mum of four children and I had two preschoolers and I had been a stay-at-home mum for 12 years hand up any stay-at-home mums in the church I don't know yeah or dads <laughs> stay-at-home mums and dads. I think they're a dying breed these days, but I had been at home with preschoolers for 12 years. And Gabby had something special on at the school that day, and it was last minute for me, and it was a formal occasion, and so I didn't feel like I could take my two preschoolers with me. They were going to be noisy, as preschoolers are, and want to get up and wander around, and I just wanted to be able to go without them. And um, I rang lots of people, can you just mind the kids, I know it's last minute, but can you just have them, I need to go to the school for a couple of hours. And I couldn't find anybody to look after my children. And it's still, that feeling is still there. I cried for two days because I felt so stuck that I couldn't even get someone to look after my two preschoolers that were so precious to me. But for 12 years, I had been dragging preschoolers around with me everywhere that I went to, and I just wanted to be able to go without them. And I started to talk to the Lord, and I said to him, I am so sick of being stuck in this stage of my life. I got... And it, it wasn't in selfishness so much. I was saying, God, I just thought I would do so much more for you than be at home with these kids all the time. Any mums and dads ever felt like that? Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just I thought, I'd, thought I'd be preaching. I thought I'd be teaching. I thought I would be doing all this amazing stuff for you and... Yet here I find myself stuck at home with preschoolers constantly wiping snot off faces, faces, being vomited on, being spat on, playing. I've got, except for one beautiful daughter, I've got boys playing cars on the floor and wondering if my child, who's three, who's managed to get to the top of that skyscraper, whether they're going to fall and break their arm. (laughs) And I just could not take it anymore. Now, I know that it is a privilege to be a mum. There are some people out there who can't have children and they're sitting there thinking, oh, I so wish. (laughs) But we can all get stuck in the phases of our life, right? It's not about the kids. It's about how I felt about being stuck in that moment. And slowly God started to unpeel my thoughts and the way I was feeling. And one day, um, actually, put your hand up if you know this story because you were either in my life group or my par group at the time. Come on. 
Yeah, I can. Which, which story? The story, the story I'm share. telling now. Yeah. Either in my life group or my probably my pa group more than it yeah, was you, Jazz. Jazz is like, oh, I don't remember because I had lots of babies since then and I have a mum brain. But yeah, Jazz <laughs> and Belinda. And Liz wasn't in my group, but you know, she's one of those friends where I probably rang her snotting on the phone. I probably said no. <laughs> she was probably at home with her own preschoolers. Anyway, so please don't bring me your children. I already have so many of my own. Um, now, that's a really important part of my story and we'll get to that later. But there's some women that are sitting in here going, I remember that story. And they walked with me through it. And we opened God's word together. And... Um, the very next week when I went to Pargroup, I, I, I'll remember this because you guys might not remember this, but I remember it because it was God's word to me. And the title of our Bible study was Being Content with Your Givens. And for me, my givens are my family. And anything else outside of that is a bonus. But be content with your givens. And I just said, oh, God, I am so sorry. This is what you have called me to. And God kept taking off layer after layer after layer. He said to me, Tamara, put out your hands. Yes, God? You have two. Those children that you have have eight. Train them up in the way that they should go and they can do far more with their four sets of hands than you can do with your two. Mm. The other thing that he said to me was, for your husband, children are, we know the verse, arrows in their quiver. Yeah. You can fight with a sword, but an archer can fling a quiver an arrow far further than he could ever reach in battle and your children are an arrow for the kingdom of God that can reach far further than you will ever be able to now the reason why I'm telling you this is not because we're an amazing family or anything like that God he peels away doesn't he when you surrender and you go oh, I get it he shows us why we are where we are. And if we're meant to move on, he is faithful to show us that we should move on. I'd like to take you to the scriptures, to Isaiah 43, that first one, please, Gab, starting in verse 18. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Mine says, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honour me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. That's great. You are the people that he has chosen for himself. 
And look what he says he does for you. If you feel stuck, if all you see in front of you are hills and valleys, look at what the Lord promises you. He will do for you. He will do something new. God had something new for me in my story. And guess what? It was another baby. (laughs) (laughs) The wild animals honour me. (laughs) Hopefully my wild animals honour him. So far they do. Um, Look, I, I struggled for two months feeling stuck. God peeling me back layer upon layer of are you going to be content with what I've given you are you going to walk where I have called you to walk are you going to do the things that I have called you to do and um, I was lots of people who know me well will know that God often talks to me in the shower (coughs) and it's usually because I have a very noisy household full of children and the only place that's quiet with me and God is in the shower. So I was, one morning I was in the shower and it was almost the audible, I wouldn't say it was the audible voice of God because I felt it on my inside. And he said to me, you're not done. And I was like, okay, I know what you're talking about, God. And I said to him, well, you, God, can you just give my husband the same word that you gave me? Then we'll have a little chat about it and where then we can decide, you know, okay, we are going to have another baby. God wants us to. This is how we'll do it. This is what we're going to plan. And, yeah, God, you do that and, and we'll be good. Bob, Bob. Um, for anybody who knows about women... I had, I fell pregnant. I had to have a 48-day cycle to fall pregnant when I did. And I never got another period after that conversation. And we were actively not trying to fall pregnant. And so our little Jeremy, who is about to turn nine, is a miracle <laughs> from God. I was 37, overweight. Anything that could possibly stop you from having a baby... Um, was on the cards and we still fell pregnant. And I remember um, when I did the test and um, I thought, oh, I'm not going to tell Andrew. (laughs) And so I left the test in the bathroom next to the (laughs) toilet. (laughs) And he came home from work and he went into the bathroom and I'm like, Hey, what do you think? He's like, what do I think about what? Because, you know, men are just, like, not observant. And I said to him, look to your left. And he went, okay. And I said to him, okay, before you freak out, I've got to tell you a really quick story. And I told him all about what God had said to me. And he was still in the bathroom, and I'm standing outside the bathroom door. And I said to him, what do you think? And he said, well, if God said it, that's it. And he was far more accepting of the situation. I think I cried for about, only for about two hours that day, not two days. There was a lady who used to come to the church here, Jenny Davies, went, her kids went to the same preschool as I did. She, she knew that I was pregnant before Andrew because I saw her and burst into tears. <laughs> 
you know, I did have a, a few tears, but what I remember looking back was that God had to take me on that two-month journey from feeling like I just can't do this for one more day, knowing that there was one more lifetime. And I don't know where you are right now, but God is doing something new. You know, being a stay-at-home mum to a preschooler wasn't new to me, but being a mum to this preschooler was new. And he is very different to the children that came before him. And God is doing something new. Any parent knows that every child is something new. And God did make a way through the wilderness for me. And he did bring rivers of joy. I remember standing in church and singing, Jesus, Spirit, take me where my trust is without borders. And just crying and crying. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you will take me. And that is our heart as Christians, to be on our knees before God. Lead me where you want me to go. If you have outstayed your welcome of the phase of life that you are in, Surrender to God. Take me. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you will take me. Lead me deeper than my feet would ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Saviour. Come on. Is that where your heart is today? Spirit, lead me. Or have your eyes gotten caught up in the world? Is it caught up in the busyness, the demands? I was caught up in the busyness and the demands of being the mother of of preschoolers. And I wanted out, but it's not what God had for me. Psalm 19 verse 37 says this, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things, and give me life in your ways. I, I felt a little bit convicted sitting in church last week when um, the announcement came up for the Hunter Prayer Meeting. And Andrew uh, has been away for work, he, so there was no other adults in our house. And I thought, I can't go to the Hunter Prayer Meeting because um, who would look after my children? And God said to me, you went out for dinner last week. When your husband was away for work. Was it worthless to go out for dinner with my girlfriends? No, it wasn't. But where is my priority? Should I not have maybe taken the babysitters that were looking after my children so that I could go out for dinner and use them so that I could go and do something that perhaps the Lord was calling me to do? Now, I'm not saying that to bring conviction, like to bring heaviness or pressure on anyone because I didn't go to the prayer meeting, but it was just a thought, you know, how God just drops those things into your spirit. I can't do that because, oh, well, 
We manage to find the time and the space and the people when it's something that's important to us, don't we? So are our eyes on worthless things? Are they giving me life? Or, do, or is our heart, God, give me life in your ways? It's just a thought. So I'm feeling stuck, feeling like maybe I've outstayed my welcome or something in my life has outstayed its welcome. I'll take you back to my story. Actually, I think I already shared the bit. Amazing little Jeremy came into our lives and I just... Praise God. Hey. And the thing that I want to help you to understand is that it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to feel frustrated. It's okay to feel like you're never going to get to the other end of where it is that you find yourself or the situation that you don't want to be in anymore or something that you have to do. And, but there's always steps, isn't there, to get your way. God doesn't want to leave you feeling stuck. So I have a three-step program for you, and if you all just do this, you'll be all right, okay? <laughs> Step one. Oh, read your Bible. <laughs> Cry out to God. <laughs> Let him see your frustration. It's all right. Like, it's not, it's kind of not okay to be angry at God, but it's okay to be angry in the presence of God. God is a sovereign God. You know, you wouldn't go, if you really had humility and fear of a king, you wouldn't go into a king and say, hey, listen here, you, you're not doing the right thing. Back up, this is the way I want it to be, right? Because you, you might not do that to a real king. So I don't recommend you go and do that to God. But you might want to share the fact that you feel stuck, you feel frustrated, you feel angry. God gave us emotions. And you know what? How you feel is no surprise to him. It's not like you getting it off your chest make any, makes any difference to God. It makes a difference to you, right? It makes a difference to express it and get it out there. So go to God and tell him, I'm disappointed. Whatever emotions are attached to your circumstances, just get them out. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. God's not scared of your brokenheartedness. It doesn't push him away. The Bible actually says that he draws close to those that are feeling broken and crushed in spirit. So don't hide from him. Adam and Eve hid from the Lord in the garden. Do you think he didn't know that they'd eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He knew. But he asked them, what have you done? Because he wants to be in relationship with you. So don't be scared to hide. Don't feel like you have to hide 
the messy bits from God. He already knows them. Um, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Do it. He's not saying, like, just let it go to him. Like, I cried for two days. There was so much anxiety and frustration in me. And God just, he didn't speak to me about it in those two days. He just let me get it out. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 29 says, Come to me all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn for me, from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Step two, let someone else know. Okay, who, who can you stand if you knew that I was going through this at the time I was going through it? Yeah, any, at the time. Okay, I let other people in, other people in. It wasn't pretty, probably snot. <laughs> Is a bit scary for maybe mums who haven't had children yet. <laughs> oh, what am I going to get myself in for? Um, but I let other people in because a burden shared is a burden halved, yeah. right? Amen. My sisters in Christ prayed for me. They upheld me. And brother, I think I saw Matt stand there. They upheld me. He was really scared of having kids after he had them. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, we were in, they were in our life group for five years. We were the life group leaders. I was crying with babies. Um, and, yeah, scared all of them. We had the young adults at that time, Luke and Lauren. We, we scarred them all from having families. <laughs> so like, oh. um, but the point is, I shared my burden I didn't try and hide it from the people that were close to me because I needed them. I couldn't carry that on my own. So if you're feeling heavy, burdened, you don't have to tell the world, but you do have to tell someone, someone you trust, someone who can walk beside you. Even if they're not where you've been, it doesn't matter. They don't have to understand. They just have to know God and know you. Now. If you knew this story before today, can you stand? If I've shared any of that story with you since before today, well, even, yes, yeah, even if it was at the time. Yeah, okay. So here's the testimony, right? God uses your stuckedness, if that's a word, or your outstayedness for you to minister to others because I'm sure that when I told other people the story, it was to be empathetic or to relate to something that they were going through. So God made, did a new thing in me, created a new path for me, healed my pain and then knitted all things together for good for the sake of those who love him. And I've been able to use that story time again and again and again to minister to people because God did a new thing in me. 
So talk to others. And step three, trust God and obey what he is calling you, what he is calling for you to do. Psalm 43 verse 5 says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Right? In those moments when you are feeling stuck and you are feeling downcast, sometimes we have to command ourselves, get up, praise him. God is the same. Whether I feel stuck, outstayed, it doesn't matter. I know who God is because I've seen breakthrough in my life before. The people around you that you've let in can testify with you. God is a good God. Tell yourself, I'm not staying stuck here feeling sorry for myself. I'm going to get up. And I'm going to praise a God that I know who works all things together for the good of those who love him. I know there's a way. I know he'll see me through. He's done it before. He's going to do it again. Testify to yourself. Then when he tells you what to do, guess what you've got to do? You've got to do it. If you don't want to be stuck anymore, when he tells you, get up, go do that, And then it's like, well, we'll go around the mountain again, shall we? If you didn't get the message the first time, we'll just have to go through it again. And it's not because God wants you to go around the mountain again. He wants you to get it the first time. But guess what? Sometimes we're a little thick. (laughs) And stubborn. And stubborn. Sometimes I'm a little thick and stubborn. And Dave. (laughs) And then when he tells me how to get out of it, I don't like the sound of it. So I don't do what he tells me to do. And guess what? I stay stuck. And God is a gracious God. He will always give us another opportunity to get unstuck. but maybe we could have got unstuck a little bit quicker if we just listened to him. You know, I love that our journey of discipleship is a relationship with Christ. He's a good, good father. He loves me. By grace, I'm saved. And it's a relationship. And in a, in a relationship, there is always two sides, right? Sometimes anyone who's married will understand that a marriage takes work on both, from both sides. Sometimes a marriage can be sustained um, if, the, if one of the partners is going through something really difficult and one partner's the one who steps up and puts all of the time and the effort in for a phase. But a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship is give and take from both sides. And guess what? Our healthy relationship with God is the same. Sometimes when I'm stuck 
as God doing a whole lot of giving to pull me out. But ultimately, my relationship with God is back and forth. We are co-workers with Christ. We don't just get to sit back and do nothing while he does everything. That's not a relationship. And so... um, Part of our discipleship with God is doing what he calls us to do. It's not relying on him to move you forward. We need to be obedient to him. If we are disciples of God, we need to obey what he tells us to do, right? We give of us, God gives us 100% of him through his spirit. We need to give 100% of ourselves as well. And when he says, my beloved child of whom I have chosen, I need you for your benefit or for the benefit of somebody else that I want in my kingdom. I need you to go and do this. Who are we to say no? He has given 100% of himself for us. Obedience to a cross. And we need to be obedient too. So the question is, where is he calling you? What is he calling you into? What is he calling you out of? Where have you overstayed your welcome? Or what habits are you sitting in that have outstayed theirs? I left my last page of my sermon, which was short, at home. So I know that there was one more Bible verse that has to do with this, and it was um, Isaiah 43, verse 4 through to 7. Was it, Gab? Yeah. Yeah. This is what the Lord says to you. Just sit in this. Because you are precious in my eyes and honoured and I love you, I give men in return for you. Peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and I made. God is calling you from afar, wherever you are, whether you feel like you're far from him or you're close to him. It's a promise for our children because they've been raised in the way they should go. Maybe they're afar, but God will call them back into the boundaries of where of the land that he has for them. So where is it, what is it that you're stuck in, that you've overstayed? Hear the voice of the Father this morning calling you out, calling you back, because you are the one that he loves. You are the one that he has chosen. If you are here this morning, you're here for a reason. Let's just take a moment to pray.
Yeah, Lord God, we just thank you that you do love us and that you did offer someone else for us, your beloved son. You love us so much that you did not withhold anything to have us in your kingdom. And this morning, people here might be feeling like they're a long way away from you, like they're close, but they've got stuff in their life that shouldn't be there. Lord God, right now I pray that you would speak into the hearts of each person here the things that we need to move on from, the things that we need to move into, the things that we need to take up and the things that we need to lay down. Right now by your spirit, I pray that you would take a moment with each person here Heavenly Father, I pray that right now as people have their eyes closed that you would help them to release. That you would help them to pick up. That you would give them strength of the Spirit to obey. God, we are a people who do not want to outstay our welcome in places and time and things. And Lord God, you are a great, amazing, wonderful Father who does a new thing. And Lord God, I praise you that this morning you are starting new things all over this place this morning. Lord God, we will praise you for we are fearfully and wonderfully made by you and your plans for us are to prosper and not to harm. And we just give all of these things to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Shall we do one more song? I just feel like we, I mean, I know we're yeah. right on time, but it would be great to praise God, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, and the kids aren't in here, but um, when we're singing my, and we don't have to do this one, but when we're singing my Redeemer lives, and it's a, it is a great song because he lifts my burdens and I'll rise with you. But um, if you don't know what Redeemer means, I think a lot of us have been um, around the traps for a while, but Redeemer means, I, I always say to my kids, like, Jesus is like a superhero, right? And we were captured and enslaved by the evil guy, the, what do they call it, the villain in the story. And we didn't even know it. I think that's the worst part of the story. We didn't even know we were captured by him, but God knew. And Jesus is the ultimate superhero who comes to save the day. And the Bible uses the word redeemed because it cost something, right? So when we go somewhere and we, we re, you redeem something, you actually pay a price or you give something in, in exchange for something. And that's what God did. He didn't hold anything back in redeeming us, in going into the pits of hell with his very son to pay the price to grab us out.
into freedom. And that's what we're all celebrating here this morning, right? Amen. And he's the redeemer of every circumstance you find yourself in right now. So just put your eyes to him. Thanks, guys.